well, take your Bibles and uh, go to the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel. We are continuing our series there in the book of Daniel, Standing Firm in Babylon. And uh, you may have heard um, the saying that Christians are like tea bags. You can't, help, you can't tell how strong we are until you put us in hot water and squeeze us. In other words, when you get squeezed like a tea bag in hot water, how many have ever been there? Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? When you get squeezed like a tea bag in hot water, what comes out of you? What do you reveal? Now, when Job got squeezed, you know what came out of him? Worship. He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When uh, Esther was squeezed, you know what came out of her? Resolve. She said, if I perish, I perish. I've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. When Jesus was put into hot water and he was squeezed, you know what came out of him? Submission to the Father's will. He said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. When you get put in hot water, you're under pressure and you get squeezed. What comes out of you? What came out of Judas when he was put in hot water and got squeezed? Betrayal for 30 pieces of silver. From time to time, we're all going to be put into hot water. Amen? And I wonder what statement, what, what are we known for when we're put into pressure? Do we say, Father, not my will, but yours be done? Or do we say, I couldn't serve a God like that? Do we say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord? Or do we say, God, how could you let that happen to me? Sometimes God allows us to be put into hot water and to squeeze us, to prove us, and to reveal what's really in our hearts, to expose it so then he can start to work on it and correct it. Amen? Everybody say teabags. Tea Tell your neighbor you're a teabag. <laughs> All right, with that as our backdrop, we're going to look at uh, a very familiar story in the Bible in the book of Daniel chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the burning fiery furnace. Talk about being in hot water or hot fire. Verse 1, Daniel chapter 3, it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width was 6 cubits. It was about 90 feet tall and about 9 feet wide. It was, just, it was more like this tall uh, totem pole is kind of what it looked like. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 3. So the satraps, the administrators, etc., etc., gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship 
the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at, at, the, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now this is a problem if you are a Hebrew living in Babylon, or if you're a Christian today. Christ followers do not fall down and worship idols or golden images or anything pagan. And for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they were faithful Hebrews, they refused to bow down. So when the Chaldeans and the, all the advisors of the king when they heard that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down, they brought word to Nebuchadnezzar in verse 12. And they said, There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the, the, the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? I think that got God's attention right there, that statement right there. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, we don't need to try and explain ourselves to gain your favor. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Hallelujah. That's a powerful, powerful scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were being squeezed like a tea bag. But look at what came out of them in that moment of pressure and testing. They said, our God is able to deliver us. That's faith. And our God will deliver us. That's trust. But if not, we will not bow. That is resolve. And from these three statements, I think, are some lessons for us today, what I call lessons from the furnace. The first lesson is in this statement here where they say, our God is able to deliver us. That's faith. He is able to deliver us. Now, faith is not a feeling. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is not something that comes upon us without our intention. Faith 
is a choice that we make deliberately. It is a response that we choose about the facts which we see. Now, faith does not deny the reality of what we are facing. It doesn't say, well, I don't confess that. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, conf- I don't believe that that's, that's actually what's happening. I think that there's something else. No, no, no. Faith looks boldly at the facts. It does not deny them or pretend them away. Faith says, there is a fiery furnace. And there is a king who can throw us into that furnace. And there is a likelihood that we will get burned up in that fiery furnace. But here's where faith comes in. Faith looks at the reality of the situation, and faith says, there is another factor that changes this equation. Hallelujah. There is another element of this that changes everything. My God is able to deliver me from this fire that I'm facing right now. I serve a God who's greater than the king and who's greater than the furnace and who's greater than the flames that burn within it. And I know that my God is able because my God has given me a word about fires. This is where we need to know the word of God, right? If we're going to have faith. Because faith isn't something we conjure up on our own. Faith is something that is founded on the Word of God, on the integrity of God's Word, because we know that He is a God who keeps His Word, right? And the Word that God has given us about fires is in Isaiah chapter 43, where He says, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your your Savior. Hallelujah. Come on, that was a good place to, to say amen, right? I don't, maybe you're not in any fires. Maybe we are, we are fire-free Christians. Are you fire-free? You don't have any fires in your life? Because listen, if you're in the fire right now, you're looking at that scripture and you're saying, what? Wait a minute. You mean there's a promise from God for my life, for my fire, for my situation, for that diagnosis that I just received, for what I just found out is happening at my workplace, for what my kids are going through? You mean there's a promise from God that says even though I'll go through the fire, I'm not going to be burned because God is going to be in that fire with me? If you're really in the fire, let the Word of God stir things up in your spirit right now. Don't just sit there like, well, you know, in a couple more minutes we're going to be out. No, no, no. Get the Word of God and take it into your spirit and activate your faith intentionally and deliberately and say, I choose to believe the Word of God for my situation. Yes? This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They magnified their God, not their fire. They didn't focus on the fire and how hot the fire was. They didn't focus on how destructive it was. No, they focused on their God. They kept their eyes on their Savior. They put all attention on Him. Amen? Isn't that awesome? They they reminded themselves how good He is and how faithful He is and how powerful He is. Hallelujah. My God, our God, is able to deliver us. No matter how big those flames may be, my God is bigger. Go ahead, heat it up seven times more. That just means that my God is seven times more powerful. No matter how hot, no matter how hot it is, how intense it is, I serve a God who is able to bring me through this flame. Now I don't know what your fire may be right now. I don't know what it is, but I know God is bigger. Come on, just say I receive that. 
My God, your God is bigger. We serve a God who is bigger, and the enemy will try to magnify the fire. In fact, you can read it in the story, verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar ordered that the fire be made seven times hotter. The enemy will cause those flames to rage in your life. It's true. The more you praise, the more you worship, the more intense you get with your faith, he's going to turn up the heat. Hello? He's going to turn up the heat because he's going to try to get your eyes off of your God and on the fire. You go back to the doctor, you've been praying all week, believe in God that he's going to deliver you, and what happens? You get a worse diagnosis from the doctor. The devil's turning up the heat. He's turning up the flames. He's making them hotter because he wants you to take your eyes off him and put them on the fire, right? He'll also remind you of how many others were consumed by the fire and killed by it. In verse 22, it says that the fire was so hot that it actually consumed the guards who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. That's right. The enemy will try to distract you and get your eyes off of your God who is great and try to remind you of all the people that God didn't deliver. How many recognize that trick from the enemy? You know, you're worshiping, you're praising the Lord. Oh God, I'm trusting you. Oh God, I'm believing in you. And all of a sudden there's a whisper in your spiritual ear from the the enemy. Yeah, what about Sister Mary? She received that same diagnosis. What about Brother Bill? What's going on in his marriage right now? What about this person or that person? He'll remind us of all the people that it seems as though the flames consumed to try and get our eyes off of our God and to focus on the fire. He'll try to get you to focus on the cancer. He'll try to get you to focus on the pain. He'll try to get you to focus on the loss of your job and and tell you you're going to, now you're not going to be able to pay your bills and you're going to lose your car and you're going to lose your house, right? And you're you're, you're, going to end up on the street and your kids aren't going to get the the food that they need. How are you going to pay, you know, for their education? And he tries to tell you and remind you of all of the things that are in that fire. He'll try to squeeze you. He'll put you in hot water and while you're there, he'll start squeeze. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He'll start squeezing you because he wants to pull something out of you that will curse your God and will deny your God and will betray your God. And like Job's wife will say, why don't you just curse God and die? Why do you retain your integrity? But we've got to be like Job who it says he fell down and he worshiped God. Hallelujah. And he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. I'm going to bless the name of my God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they remind us, no matter how hot that fire is, you serve a God. Can I say who's hotter? (laughs) Hallelujah. A God who's more powerful. Amen? Put your focus on his ability. Put your focus on his promises. His promise to walk with you through the fire. It didn't say you wouldn't go through the fire. But he said he'll walk with you in the fire. What does that mean? That means he'll give you the grace you need. He'll give you the strength you need. He'll give you the wisdom you need. He'll give you a word in season that he'll be with you in the fire. Amen? Remember his word that that promises that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and your whole household. Remember his word, his faithfulness to your promises that the prodigal sons and the prodigal daughters, they're coming home. They're coming home. Remind yourself of the faithfulness of God and the truth of his word. Yes? Amen? Hallelujah. He'll give you wisdom when you need it. He'll give you guidance when you need it. But you've got to get your eyes off the flame and focus on your God like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not only did they say that our God 
is able to deliver us. They said, our God will deliver us. Isn't that bold? That's trust. Now we're taking faith now to another level. Okay? Faith says God can do it. Trust says God will do it. Not only is he able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think, but he will do. Amen? To be able to stand in that fire and say, God is doing something right now. In the, I can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't feel it. I can't perceive it. I don't know what it is, but I know that God is doing something in this fire right now. Hallelujah. Amen? This is why praise and worship is vital to our victory. See, most of us, we're really good at giving testimonies after we've been delivered. I thank God for what he did. I thank God that he answered my prayer, right? Not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't testify about what God did afterwards. They, they were testifying about what God is going to do, right? Not only is he able, but he will. He will do they confessed their deliverance even when it looked like they were going to die. This is the faith that God is looking for. The kind that trusts Him when trusting Him doesn't make sense. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on what? On your own ability to understand what He's doing. In other words, our ability to trust Him must be independent of our ability to understand Him. Yes? Because you're never going to understand him. You're never going to figure it out. You just got to trust him. Amen. Anyone can praise God on the victory side of the trial, on the deliverance side. Anyone can praise God after they get the miracle, after the financial breakthrough, after the healing, right? Anyone. Can. And that's cheap praise. That's easy praise. That's praise that even heathen people give to God, right? Oh, thank God I didn't get fired today. Oh, thank God I, I survived that car crash, right? I mean, even heathens will praise God like that, right? Testimonies are easy after you've been delivered, but what God's looking for is not testimonies. He's looking for trustimonies. Does that make sense? You didn't know that was a word, did you? A trustimony? It is. It's, it's not in the dictionary. It's in, it's in Pastor Greg's dictionary. I have my own dictionary. If you listen to me preach for any amount of time, you know that I have my own words. Yes. <laughs> God is looking for your praise, but he's looking for your praise on the testing side of your trial. That's the praise that he really wants. The praise before the deliverance comes. That's real worship. That's what the Bible calls high praise. Hallelujah. That's faith. Listen, faith is not what happens when you get God to give you what you want. Faith is what happens when nothing has changed. And still you can praise Him. And still you can thank Him. And still you can worship Him. Hallelujah. And this is why we worship the way that we do. If you're new to our church and you think, man, these people, they sing loud, they clap, they shout... They, they speak in tongues. They do all kinds of crazy stuff. Because you know what? Many of us here today, we're in a fire. Or we're facing a fire. 
And we see what's coming at us. And we know that our God not only is able, but that he will. And so we recalibrate our faith through worship and praise. That's what worship does. It recenters us. It refocuses us. It re- we're reminding our own flesh that God is in control. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you need, sometimes praise, it's just reminding your flesh, no, I'm not going to focus on the fire. I'm not going to focus on the flames. I'm here to focus on my God. That's why we sing songs that magnify the greatness of our God. Hallelujah. Because sometimes our faith needs a front wheel alignment. Anybody ever get one of those for your car? Front end alignment. Sometimes you're driving, you notice your car wants to pull a little bit to one side or the other, right? You take your hands off the steering wheel, just, it just whoop, pulls right over. You need a front end alignment, okay? You know what I'm talking about? Okay? Sometimes as Christians, we need a front end alignment, right? Because the fire is pulling us off track. We're getting distracted. We're get, but worship and praise, it centers us. It brings us back to our focus. It, al- it aligns us where we need to be aligned. Amen? Hallelujah. Not only did they say our God is able, not only did they say that our God will, but they said this, but if not, we will not bow. That's resolve. We need to have this kind of faith, the but if not kind of faith. Can everybody say but if not? Come on, say it again. But if not. Say it again. But if not, this is the kind of faith that we need to have because sometimes, now listen, sometimes God doesn't do what we ask him to do, right? God answers prayers three ways, yes, no, and wait. (laughs) It's not time yet. You're praying for healing, you're praying for a miracle, you're praying for a job, Right? And God's not always going to do what we want him to do. Like Job, some of us will go through hardship and extreme loss. Like Daniel, sometimes we're going to get thrown into the lion's den. Like David and Bathsheba, sometimes the child is not healed. In fact, in 1528 in Scotland, in 1528, There was a young preacher named Patrick Hamilton, and he accused the Catholic Church, which was prominent there, the Roman Catholic Church, of of corruption and false doctrine. So the Catholic Church had him arrested, tried him, and convicted him of heresy. And the penalty was death by burning. Tied him to a stake, and they lit a fire under him. Unfortunately, the way that the wind was blowing that day, the fire would not catch the way that it needed to catch. And so he languished in flames for six hours in agony. What's amazing, though, is that because of what happened to him, because of his death and how agonizing it was, it sparked revival in Scotland. It caused the people of Scotland to listen to everything that he had wrote, everything that he had said, everything that he was preaching. And it caused them to question the cruelty of the church that killed him. And it sparked revival. In fact, this quote is that his his death, his, his death 
the sm- I know it, this sounds graphic, but it said that the smell of his burning inspired everyone exposed to it. He was, they were inspired by his death. Sometimes, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood, we don't get delivered from the flames. Sinclair Ferguson said, sometimes we burn. Hello? I know this isn't, the, this isn't what you came here to the mission church for today, right? You like the first two. Can you go back and just do those again? God is able and God will. But this is what we need to realize, is that sometimes the healing doesn't come. Sometimes the marriage isn't saved. Sometimes the job isn't provided. Sometimes the prayer isn't answered. Sometimes we have to come to that place where we say, but if not, I'm still going to serve him. But if not, I will not bow. I will not cave. I will not walk away from my God. Hallelujah. It's in those times where the answer doesn't seem to be coming. Instead of becoming angry and becoming frustrated, we need to have the but if not kind of resolve. Faith. That like Job, we can lift our hands and we can worship and say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be His name. Right? Amen? Like Jesus says, Lord, I really don't want to drink this cup in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he's arrested and crucified. He's praying. He says, Father, I really don't want to drink this cup. If it's possible, let it pass from me. Nevertheless, but if not, let your will be done, not mine. It's what we call resolve. God is able. God will do it. But if not, I'll still praise him. I'll still bless him. I'll still serve him. I'll still trust him. Hallelujah. It's called submitting to the sovereignty of God. We ask Him to do miracles. We ask Him to do healings. We ask Him to do all these things. But all of our asking is is submitted to the greater context of His sovereignty over our lives. Do you get that? Because we don't know what God's going to do. So we ask and we trust and we believe. Our job is to just have faith and to stand on His Word, right? But then we also understand there's a greater context of the sovereignty of God that rules over our lives and that sometimes God has a plan that we just don't understand. We we, we just don't get it like that Scottish preacher in 1528. Do you think he prayed to be delivered from the flames? Hello? Come on, this is a reality. Do you think he prayed? Do you think he read Daniel chapter 3 the night before? I know I would have. Amen? Right, Dave? You'd have been reading Daniel chapter 3, right? Going to Isaiah, right? I'm going to go through the fire but not be burned, right? But from our perspective, we don't always understand the greater plan of God's will and, and His sovereign purposes. So we submit to the sovereignty of God. It's a decision that we make to accept that He is God and I am not. And that He rules over creation, not me. And that he does as he's ple- as he pleases. And you know what? I submit to that. I submit to that. It's resolving that he doesn't serve, uh, he doesn't serve me. He doesn't sit at my back and call. That I submit myself to his greater purposes, whatever that may be, and whatever it means that I have to go through. Hello? 
Whatever it means, I have to go through. But if not, amen. And when they did that, but if not, something happened in their fire. It says there in verse 21, Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then, verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. When you submit to the sovereignty of God, you know how liberating that is? You, you can't be hurt. Now, physically, yeah. But you, you know what? These bodies that we're in, they're just temporary. Amen? Hallelujah. What did, what did Paul say? He talked about these light afflictions, which are but for a moment, that are working in us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, an eternal weight of glory. When we submit to the sovereignty of God, we can't be hurt. We're liberated. We're set free by saying, you know what, God, I'm just going to put it in your hands and whatever. Everybody say whatever. And I don't mean whatever like, you know, passive aggressive. I mean like whatever, God. I'm going to rejoice in you. Then Nebuchadnezzar, verse 26, went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High. Of who? The Most High God. Even higher than my 90-foot my statue. Come out and come here. Hallelujah. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out. Well, wait, you know, wait a minute. Now, I was thinking about this story. And I'm thinking, if I was in that fire... And Jesus was there with me. And Nebuchadnezzar saying, hey, Pastor Greg, come on out. I'd have said, who? Oh, you talking to me? The one you put in the fire? You want me to come out of that fire? The one who's walking with Jesus right now? You want me to come out there to you? Who's serving the God who's bigger than your God's? I would have reminded him a little bit, but that's just me. So they came out from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies, I love this, they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire, the smell of the smoke was not even on them. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? The fire had no power on them, and the smell of smoke wasn't even on them. Their heads were not singed. Their garments were not burned. Thank God for that, right? And the smell of smoke wasn't on them. Now, some people go through the fire, and they may show up at church, and they may worship, and they may confess the word, but you know what? Even though they do all that, they carry the smell of the smoke upon them. You know what I'm talking about, that smell of smoke? You ever sit at a campfire and you get that campfire smell on you? You know, that stink, that's, you know, you, now you need a shower. Yeah, I know, all you campers, you're all cool, right? You're like, well, I love that smell. I love the smell of campfire. Yeah, okay. You and your $200,000 mobile home, yeah. You're a camper, aren't you? Anyway. <laughs> 
Sorry about that. I apologize. I take it back. You're a camper. <laughs> but that's the way some people are. Yeah, they survived the fire, right? Didn't kill them, but the smell of smoke. You get around them and you smell that smoke. Their hair's all singed. Their clothes are all charred, right? And they carry on them what they have been through. And everybody sees it and smells it. All they talk about is the fire that they went through. All they talk about is the people who burned them at the last church. All they can, all they can, whenever you talk about Jesus or God or, you know, the good things, they always want to bring up how it seems like God failed them, how it seems like God didn't do for them what they wanted to do. The smell of smoke is still upon them, right? It defines them. They're stuck there. They're out of the fire, but not really. They're still in it. You understand what I'm saying? They're still burning in the fire. The hair is all singed. The clothes are all charred. They smell like a fire, right? Their attitude, their disposition, and they carry it into every relationship. They carried it into every church. They carried it into every job, every conversation. Every conversation goes back to how they were charred and singed and burnt. But I believe that our God wants to bring us to a place where our lives are not defined by our hardship. Rather, our lives are defined by how we overcame our hardship through the grace and the goodness of God. Amen? That our lives should be defined by a testimony, not a groanimony. Right? A testimony of the goodness and the grace of God. God can bring you out of the fire without everyone smelling the smoke upon you. All right, we're out of time here. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word about the fire and the lessons from the furnace, God, that we see. To see, Lord, that we can be a people who walk in faith, who can make the choice to say, my God is able to answer every doubt. My God is able. That, Lord, we can be the people who answer the fire with trust to say, not only is he able, my God will. He's doing, he's going to do something amazing in this fire. My God will. But if not, but if it doesn't work out the way that I want it to work out, Lord, you can bring us to that place of resolve where the fire has no power over us and the smell of smoke is not on us. But instead, when people get around us, they see how we rejoice of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God, even though we've been through the fire. Hallelujah. Make us that people of faith. Make me that man of faith, that woman of faith. Make me, Lord God, that man of trust, that woman of trust. Come on, if that's you, just lift a hand and say, Lord, I'm in a fire right now. I'm facing a fire, Lord God, but I, I need that faith, Lord. Lord, I don't want to get burned up in the fire and become like that person who just smells like smoke all the time, Lord God. Lord, I want to be a person of faith in my fire. Come on, lift up that hand. Come on, lift up that other hand and say, Lord, I want to be that person of trust, Lord God, who's able to trust in you with all my heart and lean not on my understanding, but Lord, to trust you and acknowledge you in all of my ways, God. Lord, make me a person of resolve to say, but if not, but if not, come on, say it. But if not, come on, say it again. But if not, Lord, you're, Lord, you're able. Lord, you, you're willing, God. You can do it, Lord God. 
but if not, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to declare your goodness, your greatness, your mercy, your loving kindness. Hallelujah. That you're the God that never leaves me, that never fails me, that's always with me, and that will bring me through, Lord God. Hallelujah. You're the faithful God. Come on, lift your hands. You're the faithful God.